Welcome to the Inspire Radio Podcast. This podcast is an opportunity to listen again to one of the many inspirational and thought-provoking interviews first broadcast on Inspire Radio. Inspire Radio brings you inspirational interviews, news events, workshops and seminars, plus great music too. Online, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, Inspire Radio is your truly feel-good radio station. For more information and to listen to Inspire Radio, why don't you check out inspireradio.co.uk. Check out our Facebook page too, where we've got details of events on there. Our Facebook page is at Inspire Radio UK. Now sit back and enjoy this Inspire Radio podcast. With inspirational guests from across the world, this is Inspire Radio. Well, you're tuned in to Adele G on Inspire Radio. And coming up on Inspirational Hour today, I'm chatting to Malcolm Teasdale. Now, from successful businessman to entrepreneur to travel addict, Malcolm has seen it all. He has some fascinating stories to tell us about his life adventures and what he's learnt along the way. Tune in and stay tuned. This, 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 this is Inspire Radio. Hi there, Malcolm, and welcome to our show. How are you doing today? I am very well, thank you, and I appreciate you inviting me on the show. Well, you. You, you've got a very interesting story. You've had a very interesting life. And that's what Inspire Radio is all about because our listeners are going to be so, so glued to what you, you're going to say. It's such a good story. But first of all, it's been a difficult year for everybody. So we, before we start talking about travel, which has been non-existent this year, how have you and your family been during COVID? Well, we've been locked down um, mm. like uh, many, many people have. And it, it, I had an itinerary of travel set up for uh, 2020, which obviously all got cancelled. Um, but I found stuff to do, you know, mm. and uh, it's okay. We're whittling through. There's light at the end of the tunnel. So we're looking forward to 2021. Of course. And uh, that's, that's all we can do. I, for me, I just have to always have something to look forward to. And we're planning stuff in the new year. So it's oh, all right. We'll just get over it. I bet you're planning all the time what with your travel timetable and everything else uh, in the past. It, you, being stationary must have been very difficult for you, I imagine. <laughs> it's been challenging, but you know what? I've got lots of pictures and, uh, <laughs> and it's nice to reminisce sometimes. And uh, that, that's a good thing, which I enjoy. And uh, yeah. I sometimes go on YouTube and uh, type in some of the places I went to and uh, uh, there's lots of videos up there I can look at. So, oh yeah, I was there. I remember that. You know, oh, bringing back beautiful memories. Well, exactly. we'll talk about those memories because I'm sure you've got a few stories to tell us. We'll get into that during the interview. But you're a Brit from, we can tell by your accent, <laughs> you're a Brit from Coventry. Uh, but living in Pensacola in the US now, how did you end up across the pond? Well, actually, I live in Destin, Florida now, which is about an hour east of uh, Pensacola. Right. Uh, but um, across the pond, well, I've been across the pond twice eastwards to live. And um, when I was uh, uh, growing up in England, uh, I had a decent job, but I was offered an opportunity in Ottawa, Canada, to work for a technology company, which, um, which I accepted and moved there 
in uh, January of 1980-something and then froze to death for six months. <laughs> Snow didn't go away, uh, which was all right. But then I, I didn't like the job I was doing, so I joined another corporation while I was in Ottawa. Great city, by the way. Mm. And they, uh, after six months, they transferred me back to the United Kingdom. Uh, they were based in South Wales, but I lived in the Wye Valley, beautiful area of Great Britain oh, yeah. um, in a place called Landogo. But I got itchy feet, and um, I was offered a position in Papua New Guinea, Port Moresby, Papua New Guinea, mm. which seems pretty bizarre, actually, but that's exactly what happened. I was ready to go, but my company at the time said, I'll tell you what, Malcolm, we'll offer you a transfer to Boca Raton, Florida. So I got the brain cells working, and I thought, you know, that sounds like a good deal, but they did warn me that I'll be traveling a lot. Well, I always wanted to see the United States, and this was an opportunity. I'd be working, of course, long hours, but but I ended up transferring to the USA, and uh, that was way back uh, when. So, um, so you were a young lad, really. You were a young lad when you went over there. You weren't a grown man, were you? you were, were you in your 20s or something? Uh, by the time I got to the first time, when I moved to Canada, I was 25. Mm. But uh, when I moved to the US, I was actually 30. Uh, so mm. I was still young. I was single at the time. So I thought, well, great. I, you know, Living the high life then. <laughs> oh, it, it, it all was good. So life was good, indeed. And, well, you uh, started a company as well, didn't you? I know your working life took you there in the end to the States. But is that where you started your tech company? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, the company I was working for at the time, they had offices in uh, Canada and the US. I worked in the US, but um, I hooked up with a, uh, another fellow engineer, if you wish, and uh, we got our heads together. We decided we could uh, uh, build a product that we thought was sort of important to the marketplace or thought we could sell mm. and uh, develop. And, uh, and that, that's exactly what we did. And the story went on from there. And uh, What was the tech company? What was the product? We, we developed um, a technology product for what they call the call center industry. It's telecommunications, basically. Mm. Uh, so if you called into British Airways, for example, your call may get put into a queue. You're waiting to speak to a warm body. So our technology would find ways to either inform you while you're waiting to speak to that person or give you information or tell you how long you've been waiting and various stuff like that. And it's, we also told the companies what hours of the day they need to staff correctly, real-time displays, management reports. And we got into multimedia of the, as, as well as voice calls after that as well. So it just expanded and it was based on a web-based technology at the time, which was sort of leading edge compared to what was around at the time. So that's what we did and it worked out all right. But uh, then you, en we, you ended we, up selling it right to a big corporate organization. Yeah, we did. We just, um, we didn't think about it that at the time, but the way we were going, it seemed to be going in the direction where it was going to be ripe for acquisition because uh, we, we got a lot of international business as well, and we partnered with other technology companies. So, uh, you know, they came knocking at the door, so to speak, and we were at an age where, especially my partner, he wanted bail. And I thought, well, okay, that's fair enough. Then it's probably time to, uh, you know, call it. We, 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 so we worked hard for all these years now. Let's uh, take a break. And that was the time was right. So, so it was like an early retirement. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. So um, all the intellectual property was sold. All the employees we had, which were about 145 of them at the time, went over to the other company. And, uh, you know, everyone was 
it was a good acquisition and uh, good, I still yeah. in touch with a lot of the old employees today and everyone's sort of happy. So That's good. And did the proceeds from that sale allow you to start your new venture and or continue your amazing journey to, to visit 98 countries? I know some of them you, you visited whilst still in business, but uh, did that allow you to, to really take off and, and go and travel? Uh, yeah, it did. But, but time was an issue as well, because when we were working, we, we, I can have time. Uh, but all the time I was working, the business travel was usually to um, capital cities, major cities or business hubs. That's okay, but I w- had a, uh, a quest to visit some places that's sort of more off the beaten track, which were impossible mm. while I was working. So yeah. the fact is I took early retirement. I was able to do this. So my bucket list started to increase. So um, once I got more of a taste of traveling off the beaten track, so to speak, the more I wanted to do it. And that applies today as well. It's true though, isn't it? When you're traveling for business, you really, it's, it's not as glamorous as people think. You really are in airports, you're in hotel rooms, you're going to conferences, but you don't see a lot, do you? No, you don't. What I what I got into a habit of doing, though, if it was to, uh, especially international travel, that if I was going for a conference or a business meeting, I would sometimes go a couple of days ahead or stay a couple of days afterwards so I could see the place a little bit more. Mm. Or on the way back, I'd get a short flight to a neighboring country and go there before coming home. So I'd oh, make yeah. the most of it time permitting uh, or, or or whatever but i i tried to make the most of it that really it sounds like that really started the addiction to travel because you've been called a travel addict and you know when i spoke to you earlier this week it definitely sounds like you are but what is the attraction for you to want to travel so extensively the, the catalyst was going back to my late teens. Um, growing up, actually, uh, me and my mates, as we call them over there, would like to travel on vacation um, to Spain, where mm. we could party all night and sleep on the beach during the day. Yeah. <laughs> it was sort of fun, and a lot of people do that. Um, anyway, my parents came home one day. I was living at home at the time, and they said to me, Hey, Malcolm, Dad and I are going to Asia for two and a half weeks. Mm. Will you be able to take care of the house and the cat? Uh, I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought, well, this is great. I could be on my own for a while. Um, so they went away. And uh, when they arrived back, the cat was still alive. Mm. And uh, they explained their trip to me. And it was Asia. I thought, well, I don't know much about it. But it intrigued me. I thought, well, I've got to go there one day. Oh, yeah. So as the Spanish thing wore off, <laughs> so to speak, a little bit old, I started asking my friends, hey, let's go to Asia. Then the excuses came up. Well, I'm going to get engaged. I need to save my money. Mm. That's just too far away. Or why would you want to go there? We can just go to Spain and have a good time. We don't have to travel to the other side of the planet to do that. Yeah. Well, that's what I wanted. Suffice to say, I ended up going by myself mm. at the age of like 22 or something like that for three weeks to Thailand, Singapore, and Hong Kong and had the time of my life. And that was probably the beginning of everything. That was a catalyst, yeah. um, which started me saying, you know, I, I need to find out more about the rest of the world. Right. So more than just going and seeing the usual touristy places like 
we do we book you know with a travel agent or we book ourselves we go out and we stay in the typical places we've read about on google or in some magazine about holidays you were attracted to the other side of being a tourist in other words getting to know the place and the people and the culture and things like that yeah exactly and the more i did it the more i wanted to do it so as time passed i had this quest to sort of well, I did this, I can do a bit more than that. I can do something more daring. And, you know, uh, and that's what I did over, over the years. Didn't yeah. always do it, but today, I mean, because I'm a lot older, my, my thought train is this. I just want to do as much as I can while I still can, because there will come that day where, you know, I just can't get on a plane anymore or, or have the urge to fly off to a far off distant land somewhere. You know, so I'm seeing yeah. what I can while I can. Well, the thing is, um, it just becomes more difficult flying, doesn't it? Because unless you're flying first class or business class all the time, it's it just becomes very difficult to, to, to face a 12, 14, 15 hour flight. And if you want to get to those far off places, sometimes that's how long it takes, doesn't it? Oh, well, if, if, if you go to an obscure place, like I've been to some of these, the, the, the route to get there is, well, it's extensive because you, for me, I have to travel over the Pacific Ocean. So you can go to the uh, gateway uh, cities in Asia, but if you go to an obscure place, you've probably got two or three more connections to get to where you want to go. Yeah. So it extends. And um, so- It take the best part of a day, can't it? And sometimes overnight stays and things like that. It's, I mean- Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's great mm -hmm. when you get there, but not always great. The travel itself, like you said, it gets more and more difficult the older you get. You need more comfort. <laughs> but what <laughs> would you say? Talking, I, I was thinking because there's lots of people out there that want to do, obviously we're going to hear more about what you do when you go away and where your favorite places are and what type of holidays. But if people want to travel, whether they want to travel like you or they just want to travel more often, but they haven't got um, the funds, you know, a great amount of money to do this. So they're, they're trying to do it on a budget. What, what would you give them, you know, what advice could you give them for traveling and learning about other countries on a budget? Well, firstly, depending what stage of life people are at. Um, mm. The reason I ask that because I bumped into quite a few uh, university graduates who have been traveling, they wanted to do something big. They mm. graduated, but wanted to do something big before they actually started working or settling down to get married, so to speak. So I've met a number of people like this where they just um, take a year off or something mm. like that and they will go somewhere. And I met a girl recently um, on one of my trips, it was a diving trip to, to Borneo, and uh, she had been on the road for a year. And she went to work in India and got a job as a tour guide. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Then she did some English teaching. And I met her in Sipadan in Borneo, where she was completing a course for scuba diving. And she'd been on the road for a year. She was almost mm -hmm. running out of money, but she actually earned while she was away. Yes. It, it, you know, if you're English speaking, you get a, a teaching job in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, but as far as... Uh, you know, is doing this thing early on in life is good. I had an employee who, before he got married, wanted to take a leave of absence for a year so they could drive around Australia. Great mm -hmm. thing to do, absolutely. Go ahead. Um, but 
there's always places you can go to that are sort of like Asia's cheap, right? And when I was in country of Laos, I met lots of backpackers there and they have backpacker motels there and um, hostels there and people just hang out there. It's, you know, you can travel on a budget, but the older you get, you know, you don't have to do that anymore. Well, hopefully I, I've done my time of uh, traveling in Crampton coach class. And Being with like 10 more people, <laughs> 10 other people in a room <laughs> to sleep. Yeah. It is a studenty thing to do, isn't it? But it's still open to everybody. It's still available if, if people are fit enough and, and they want it enough. But like you said, there's plenty of jobs that you can do when you're overseas. Um, I was the same. You mentioned one of them. I taught English overseas in Mexico and yeah. I, was, I ended up staying there for seven years and, uh, and I brought oh. a su- souvenir home with me as well. My husband's Mexican. So, uh, you know, oh, managed, managed, to, managed, yeah, managed to bring a souvenir home too. But there's so <laughs> many, so many things you can do. Like you said, your job took you overseas in the first place. So it could be that you choose a job like training or teaching or, or business that takes you overseas and you extend your own oversee work to to see a bit more a bit like you did yeah that's all good advice very good advice um saying that you're not any ordinary sightseer are you (laughs) you're more like an adventure traveler you know you do some sports like you mentioned scuba diving you and you do other things as well you don't just go to those typical places that i mentioned earlier but what kind of adventures are we talking about we want some we want some some of your stories here (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm an avid scuba diver, so there's some wonderful dive sites out there. So, you know, I went, I unfortunately had to go to two of the best ones, but trekking, I trekked the Himalayas. Mm. I, actually, that was an ambition for a long time. I, I said to my parents long ago, I said, I think I'll trek the Himalayas one day. And they yeah. just laughed and said, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but, but it ended up happening because I had time to do it. Uh, but traveling off the beaten track, um, unusual places, places of natural beauty, or places of isolation even. These are the things that sort of interest me. Even though they appear to be difficult to get to, I find a way to get there. And because of jet lag, you can always sort of stay in a transit hotel at the airport en route. Yeah. But that's the case today. You know, I do have a bucket list, which seems to be getting longer. So I've got still <laughs> things to do. Um, but all of those unusual places and, you know, um, there's some ones that stay in my mind. Actually, that's the key thing here is you do something like this. You do a travel uh, or, or a trip of a lifetime yeah. and the memories stay with you forever. They it's not do, just like me. I live on a beach, but I go to the beach and said, yeah, I remember that day when we went to the beach and just sat on the beach in the sun. Okay. Yeah. Well, you don't think about that 10 years later, but no you know, a trip to Tibet or something like that, which is really possible to do on any budget. You can do, but those memories will stay with you forever. Of course. And I think using a camera as well and taking proper photos, instead of just keeping them all digitalized and on your phone that you never look at again, I think actually printing photos. Do you ever do that and put them in an album? (laughs) Oh yeah. I've got lots of albums. Um, I've got, yeah, I could be accused of uh, keeping old stuff around. I've got uh, photographs that were passed down to people from my parents. I've got photographs of when I was a kid, but um, I've even created an album called My Life in Pictures. Oh, so you've got some travel ones there as well. Good. Yeah. 
and I always, I always scan them as well. You know, they could be real printed pictures yeah. or, uh, or, or digital pictures, which are printed also. Yeah. Either way, I've got hard copy and I've got the uh, scan copy. And they just, I think that's the best way to bring back memories and put a smile on your face. I know everything's at, you know, at the touch of a button now with your phones and everything, but there's nothing better for me. Our friends do this as well. Sometimes we just open up the photo album and we go, oh, do you remember that? And it's things that you might have forgotten and it brings it all back. It's wonderful. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, I know some people might be alone and they might be thinking, yeah, I want to travel on my own, but I don't know how it's going to be because maybe they haven't done it before. They fear that, you know, they won't get it right. They'll be lonely or whatever. But you travel on your own. I know you're married, but you travel on your own quite a bit. So, you know, what, what's good about traveling on your own? Well, see, my wife, she just said, just go. <laughs> you know, and uh, she's very supportive because she wouldn't go to the place I would go to. She would, she was never going to be camping in the wilderness of Mongolia. <laughs> no, it wasn't going to happen. Or climbing a mountain. So, um, so she I lets do you that. do it. Yeah, yeah, and she's a creature of comfort. But you yeah. know, I probably owe her a trip next year. We'll travel to a place where she's going to feel comfortable. And uh, but that that we can talk about that after the pandemic's gone. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so traveling, no, because traveling by yourself, it doesn't mean you have to be by yourself because you'll always bump into expats, believe it or not, wherever you go. Of course you, know. you will. And that, that's fine. Uh, but also you'll bump into co- uh, people from other countries. And there's always a lot of, depends where you go, but there can be a lot of camaraderie there, which is good. Yeah. But also, I don't mind just mixing with the locals wherever I go. And of course. Just, it's fun. And the thing is, you, there's lots of Europeans always traveling. And although we're, we're not very European now, not in the UK anyway, but um, you find that you, you, know, you have something in common, even if it, it's just with Europeans as well traveling. And you yourself, there must be a lot of Americans you know, traveling all the time. So you, you can have a lot of uh, company, even though essentially you're only traveling on your own. You're not, yeah, not on your own when course. you get there, are you? Anyway, Malcolm, we've got a few more questions to ask you yet because you've got lots more to tell us. But we're just going to take a quick break for some feel-good music and we will be right back right after this. Inspire Radio. I've looked after my kids since they were born. Now they've got kids, I still want to look after them. I don't want them struggling to make decisions about my money or my health if I can't. So we made a lasting power of attorney. Now, if I can't speak for myself, they'll speak for me. It's a weight off for all of us, isn't it? Yes, (laughs) mum. Lasting power of attorney. Search your voice, your decision. Time for another inspirational quote from Inspire Radio. Be happy. Be inspired. Hi, this is Steve Gamlin from the Motivational Firewood Hour. I'd like to share one of my favorite motivational quotes. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. Maya Angelou. Thanks for listening to Inspire Radio. Be happy. Be inspired. For one moment, just imagine this is a message about your business reaching the listeners of Inspire Radio. For a moment, 
Just Imagine, Inspire Radio, helping you share information about the great work that you do. The good news is, you no longer have to imagine. Inspire Radio can turn the imagination into reality. Like to find out more? Just simply email inspire at inspireradio.co.uk. Simply stop imagining what your message might sound like and turn that message into reality. Contact inspire at inspireradio.co.uk. Inspire Radio. Be happy. Be inspired. And welcome back. And we're talking to Malcolm Teasdale. He's over across the pond in the US and he's given us some insight into his life, which has been absolutely fascinating. So we're going to continue on, Malcolm, and we're going to ask you next, out of the 98 countries that you've had the privilege of visiting, which one stands out as the most memorable to you and why? I knew you were going to ask me that, (laughs) uh, but if if I had to pick one, it would be the country of Bhutan. Now, when I told people here I was going to Bhutan, they all said, where's that? (laughs) Or they said, what is that as well? Not where is that? But anyway, it's it's a landlocked country in Asia, basically. Um, But it's it's famous for uh, one of the classic buildings in the world, Tiger's Nest Monastery. And you just Google it, you'll see what I mean. It's built on a, a cliff face. Oh, wow. And, and you can get to it. Um, but it's a landlocked country, but it actually goes back and it hasn't really changed in centuries. Mm. Why? Because they want it that way. Oh, good. So when I saw that, I always considered going to Bhutan anyway. <clears throat> but I saw that picture. I thought, I've got to do that. So um, they only allow so many visitors in there each year. Mm. Uh, so I joined the list. I got a visitor's permit and uh, got on the plane there. You can't just fly a, a regular airline in there. You have to fly one of the, the Bhutanese airlines. I flew Druk Air, of yeah. which they have a grand total of four planes on their fleet. I flew there. I spent a few days in the country of Bhutan. Mm. Uh, they, it's all dressed in traditional attire. Mm. Yes, but it, it's in the middle of the Himalayas. So Paro Airport is squished between 18,000 foot peaks. The plane lands. It's the most difficult airport in which to land a plane is Paro. I found that after I landed, by the way. Good job, you didn't, was, good job you didn't know beforehand. <laughs> I'd had a glass of wine or two. It wouldn't bother me. <laughs> but we landed there. My, so um, you can't travel there around there by yourself. You, I had to have a tour guide, which was fine. The gentleman uh, was younger than me by quite a bit. But we did the trek to Tiger's Nest Monastery, which is at 10,300 feet up Good cliff face. And I'm not a religious person, but there's something spiritual about this country. Yeah, yeah. So we climbed up to Tiger's Nest Monastery. It was, it was a good trek, actually. It's about four hours to, to get up there because we'd had an elevation already. Mm. But when we got to the same elevation, you look at this monastery, firstly, think, well, why? Or how did they manage to build it here? And there's a myth about why it's there. But we got to the the monastery and took off the shoes. Photography is um, banned from there. So we went in and uh, my my tour guide said, let's go in this temple here and you can meditate. 
I said, well, I can't cross my legs. It doesn't matter. Just sit comfortably. Yeah. So I went in this little, this room here and I tell you, I just got the adrenaline from, uh, from, from climbing the yeah. of the tiger, yes, monastery and everything went blank. Oh, really? It shut off silence. And all I had were memories of my parents. It was, oh. it was, it was a spiritual experience that I never experienced before. Right. And I thought, well, it was unbelievable. I didn't want to leave there, but, Anyway, it was unbelievable. And it, it's still sort of 30 monks live there today. And uh, it's quite an unbelievable place. So there's something about this place, but something about living in the Himalayas as well, I think. Yeah. Anyway, we, we had to be back down on the ground at base camp uh, before dark. So um, sort of eight hour a day, getting up to the temple and uh, back down again. Went wonderful experience, but I got to meet the coach. I was there for the King's birthday celebrations i was in the crowd locals i was the only foreigner there and we just ch chatted and laughed and everyone was extremely happy mm. great just wonderful experience i am just living this you won't believe i'm, I'm just i'm just staring into space here just living that that journey you had there um because a lot of the eastern world has come into the west now a lot of the wisdom that they have and everything else they've sort of brought it into the western world haven't they with meditation and yoga and all of these things and a lot of people don't quite believe believe how it can help and how it can work but i imagine you weren't very spiritual before that journey and since then you've probably thought hmm there's something in this <laughs> Well, the meditation has been around for centuries, right? Yeah. And, and so many hundreds of millions of people use it yeah. as a form of therapy to, to get away toxic thoughts in the head, which causes yeah. depression and fear and all that. Yeah. It works. If, if it didn't work, it probably wouldn't, have, wouldn't be around today. So no. yeah, it's just saying it works for some people. I try yeah. it. I'm not an expert. But anyway, it's... Uh, yeah, it's something. something. Yeah, that. well, that started maybe that journey for you. It sounds a wonderful place to go. I'm looking for a place actually because I've got a big birthday coming up next year, um, and I'm gonna, I think I'm going to take tips off you. But I've written that place down. That's for sure because that might be uh, one of them that I'm thinking of. Also, just I'm saying off the record here, but it will be on the record. But um, also, I'm thinking of going to the Pantanal river which is in south america the northern part of south america just northern brazil have you ever heard of that is that is that somewhere that you've you know about actually uh, northern brazil is is um on my bucket list because i, I oh. wanted to uh, go to manaus brazil and just stay there because it's a gateway to the amazon jungle and yeah. that's on my book to actually go camping in the amazon jungle one day oh yes so. me too <laughs> I think you I and me, Malcolm, you and me should take off and go somewhere and we'll leave my husband and your wife to choose their beach or five-star hotel holiday or something, whatever they want to <laughs> say. Yeah, you <laughs> got that right, yeah. My <laughs> hubby loves That's the comforts true. and the heat and the... Oh, uh, dear, the dear. oh, we've got it sorted. Just tell your wife, I'll tell my hubby and we'll make arrangements later on. How about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. um, another question for you. If you could live anywhere, now I know you've mentioned Bhutan as a place you'd go back to and it sticks in your memory but it's different visiting somewhere and wanting to live somewhere so if you could live anywhere in the world other than obviously your current abode uh, where would it be? Um, probably uh, sorry, I've always talked about going back to live in a place for a few months of the year 
in, mm. I could come back to live in England and in the countryside there, but other, yeah. two of the countries come to mind, which are extremely livable for me is Singapore, which I've lived there for a while before, but go back there and uh, Thailand. Oh, um, right. I've heard so much yeah. about Singapore and haven't been. And I've been to Thailand, but I just went to Phuket. So why those countries? What have they got? Well, Singapore, I was there in the uh, 2007, 2008 timeframe. And I was there just to try and uh, get in business in the Asia Pacific region. So I had to move myself there to get this business. You know, it, it was common sense thing. You can't do uh, business with with uh, companies in Asia mm. from a, a time which is not time zone friendly. So uh, we moved there, but things that strike me about Singapore is extremely classy, mm. very extremely clean, crime free, just wow. very sophisticated. And, and it's easy to get around there. I didn't need to rent a car. The public transport system is, is superb. The healthcare system is superb. Mm. And, uh, so it was enjoyable there. And from there, it's a gateway to get to other places, mm-hmm. you know, yep. uh, in, in Asia, which I've always had a, a love affair with, so to speak. Then, of course, Thailand, which is, uh, you've got the jungles in the north, the beaches in the south, yeah. and you've got Phuket and Samui on in the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. And it, it's quite diverse. So, uh, again, it's uh, cost-effective to live there. Mm. Healthcare system is really good. And, uh, yeah, spending in a few months there, that oh. would be good, absolutely. We need to start looking for jobs, don't we, over there? <laughs> sounds, sounds amazing. <laughs> but talking about jobs, uh, you are still working. So you didn't just retire early. You wanted, obviously, to continue working. And maybe not this year. I'm sure you've been affected because you're an enrichment speaker for cruise liners. What does that actually entail? Yeah, it's uh, this is after I, I took early retirement. Then it was within six months. I thought I've got to do something here. I'm mm-hmm. going to get bored. And uh, I, I, I don't know how this happened, but I got approached by an agency. I said, Malcolm, you ever thought about doing this, doing some uh, public speaking on cruise ships? I said, Well, I don't know. I've never been on a cruise before, which I hadn't. <laughs> and uh, they said, Okay, well, they gave me all the information. I thought, Well, I'll give this a go. And uh, then I got invited on a uh, a 10-day cruise to give talks about the destinations where the ship was going. So I already knew about the place and where we were going, but I, I learned a little bit about the history and geography of the place so I could talk about it in a coherent manner to the audience in the theatre at the sea days, right? So at the, when it's docked at the port, people get off the ship and they, they go sightseeing, but the days at sea, then the passengers have to be entertained. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things to do. So my job, if, if you wish, is to educate people. So I would talk for an hour, typically in the morning, uh, to passengers who would like to learn more about the place they are going to or places that the cruise line goes to, where they could be talked into, if you wish, purchasing another cruise yeah. um, later on. Yeah. So that's really it. They're educational talks and enrichment talks and uh, I, I talk about destinations, but I talk about business as well. And I talk about some qu- other quirky stuff that I, I have uh, presentations about as well. So that's pretty you, much it. Because you can be days and days at sea, can't you? Before you see land. So you, there's got to be plenty going on. They're like little, well, huge floating cities, aren't they? These, these cruise liners. Yeah. 
That's right. I mean, uh, people want something to do. They could be sunning themselves on the deck or maybe too windy up there, but like the jewelry shop may have something going on or the ship director may be having a a dance competition. But people who don't want that can come to just a lecture. Exactly. uh, Yeah, yeah. especially if it's going to be talking about the place they're going to see next or at some point on the journey. It must be wonderful to have that. Um, You mentioned your bucket list earlier on. (laughs) I want to know what's on it and if there's any countries or places that are on it, that are on your radar. You know, but what else? Give us a, give us a, a brief look at your bucket list. Um, the bucket list can include places that I've already been to. However, the, the ones where I'm looking at right now, I mentioned Manaus, Brazil, by the way, to, to go into the Amazon. Mm. Uh, time of year has got to be right. One of them is Namibia, which has the world's oldest desert. Okay. And uh, there's unbelievable, spectacular views there. And they also have the world's largest sand dune, which you can climb. Right. right? So I'm looking to do that. So the plane will land at, land at Windhoek in Namibia. Then I'd have to take a half-day um, jeep ride into what I would call the outback, if you wish, where you can go camping. Mm. There's campsites out there. And you can explore the scenery, which is absolutely unbelievable there. If you t- look at the pictures, you can find on the uh, the internet there. So that's, that's up there. And with regards to scuba diving, I've been fortunate to be able to go to Sipadan and Palau, which are probably the two greatest dive sites in the world mm, or amazing. reputation. There's one more to do and it's called Raja Ampat in Indonesia, where the coral system is supposed to be um, quite pristine, yeah. um, which is off the West coast of New Guinea. So that is, those are the three places that I haven't been to before, which uh, are probably top of my bucket list right now. Is there anything on there that's not to do with travel or is it all travel on your bucket list? It's all to do with travel. <laughs> you can't get it out of your blood. I think once you've traveled, like you say, you're a travel addict. It, it, it doesn't disappear. It doesn't even lessen with time, does it? It's there forever. In other yeah, words, it's just- it, in other words, you're always going to have something on your bucket list. You're never going to get through it. <laughs> yeah, well, mine's increasing. That's a problem. I've, got to, <laughs> I've, I've just got to whittle it down. But obviously, 2020, a lot to blame for that. I'll blame it on 2020. I'll yes. Use that year blame, I think, blame I think we'll blame that. a lot on 2020. But yeah, especially <laughs> especially you being stuck at home and not being able to, you know, tick some places off your bucket list. Um, I know <laughs> that you've been telling us a few of your adventures, but there's loads more for you to tell us. And of course, we haven't got time here today. But you have included quite a lot of those um of your exciting adventures and experiences with other cultures and, and including business travel, you've included these in your business travel and adventure books, but what are the books called? What if we want to get hold of these? How do we, our listeners uh, find them? Well, they're going to be on Amazon. All the bookstores will have copies of whether they're ebook versions or paperback versions or like paperback. Mm. Um, but if you Google, Say Amazon, for example, if you Google my name, Malcolm Teasdale, make sure yeah. you spell it correctly, T-E-A. And you'll see all the books there. And the, the most recent one is one called Planes, Trains, Taxes, and Tuk-Tuks, oh, wow. which is about adventure travel. Uh, the, the very first one I wrote was actually called um, Travel Diaries of an Atypical Businessman, which looked at all my um, episodes during business travel. 
South America, Australasia, and Europe primarily, and Asia, yeah, Asia as well. Um, and things about trying to do business and having to learn the foreign culture and all the weird and wonderful situations I found myself in. Now, I republished that um, because there is a unfiltered version on there because I wanted to explain the real reason I was in Cairo, Egypt during the first Gulf crisis and in Moscow, Russia during the final days of the Soviet Union, right before Mikhail wow. Gorbachev ended his reign there. Mm. And I, it, it's, it's government related, but I, I, I talked more about that and reissued that book. But the, the other books are The Midlife Crisis Continues, which it sounds rather apropos for me. And um, then there was one called Asia Specific, which is all about my time in Asia when I moved there. And there's one about my time in the Himalayan kingdoms of Myanmar, uh, Nepal, Tibet, and mm. um, those places. And what I found out about the way of life there. So I documented that. But they're all on um, the usual places. And there's information on my website, Malcolm JT's there, which gives a list of all the chapters uh, or the names of the chapters and the country or destination uh, which it's about. So I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn and uh facebook as well so, that's uh, great so we just need to look up your name malcolm which is spelled the usual way teasdale which is t-e-a-s dale d-a-l-e and we'll be able to find your books on amazon and in bookstores and of course your website if you just give us that website again it's malcolm jt remember there's two l's in malcolm by the way m-a-l-c-o-l-m-j-t-e-a-s-d-a-l-e uh, MalcolmJTsdale.com is a website. Brilliant. And we can find plenty of information on there as to your yeah, adventures. It will lead you to, uh, exactly. There's links to Amazon on there. I have a Twitter account called Malcolm the Brit. Oh, uh, Malcolm on, the Brit. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> LinkedIn, Malcolm, Malcolm J. Teasdale on LinkedIn and Facebook. There's one called Traveling Addict. Traveling spelt the American way with one L. With one L. Um, yeah. That's lovely. Um, well, we'll certainly put all that up on on the uh, on our social media pages as well. So I just want to end by saying thank you very, very much. I could talk to you forever. You're a man after my own heart. I would love to follow in your footsteps. And you can be my guide anytime. I just want to put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you, Adele. I really appreciate that. And uh, if you're going to get on the road again, don't leave it too late. Right. No, and, uh, that's good advice. I plan to do it as soon as they let us out. <laughs> exactly. Thank you very much. And we'll keep in touch because I'd love to get your advice on the next big holiday out there. So thanks for joining us at Inspire Radio today. Thank you, Adele. Thank you. We'll, we'll talk again. This, 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 this is Inspire Radio. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Maybe you would like to join us as a guest on Inspire Radio. Maybe you'd like to feature on our Inspire Radio directory. If you would and you'd like to get in touch, then simply enter your details on the contact page at inspireradio.co.uk. Remember to give our Facebook page a like as well, at Inspire Radio UK. And once again, thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast from Inspire Radio. And have the best day you possibly can. Be happy, be inspired.
The Inspire Radio podcast is produced and presented by the team at Inspire Radio. Copyright applies. For more information about Inspire Radio, visit inspireradio.co.uk or if you'd like to download our free app for the Android phone, just go to your Google Play Store and search for Inspire Radio. With feel-good music by day, relaxing music by night, this is Inspire Radio. Be happy, be inspired.